0: I'd like to invite Don up for the Bible reading. Our reading today is taken from uh, Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One, One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. that rain beautiful no one go to sleep please while you're listening to that rain (laughs) want to listen to God's Word so this morning's message concludes our series on the Ten Commandments where we began as you remember must have been about nine weeks ago with the tenth commandment and we've worked our way back to where we now come to the first commandment, which is the last in our series haven't confused anybody first is the last I think you got it last week Pastor Darrell spoke on the second commandment, which was about not worshiping idols. This morning's message is about not worshiping other gods. And if you're like me, I kind of looked at that and I thought, "Gee, there's a lot of overlap. They seem very similar." Pardon me. And and although although there are similarities between the first and the second commandment, the first commandment establishes who who we worship. Establishes who God truly is, whereas last week, the second commandment, God teaches and warns how. How through idolatry, how we can through idolatry so easily break the first commandment. So rather than speak about how, which our David last week, we're talking about who this week. Before we do, let's just bow our heads and pray. Father God, we thank you for your presence amongst us here this morning. Thank you for our time of worship together. And we want everything to be a, a part of our worship service here this morning. So, Lord, as we come, as we listen, may you speak. May we have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, but also what He says to our hearts as He touches us and speaks to us, as only you can do, Lord, because you are the Lord. You're the Lord God Almighty, and you're here amongst us, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take us to Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 3. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Powerful words. And when God gave Israel the Ten Commandments on Sinai, he he introduced them first by introducing who he is. Introduced the first commandments by introducing himself first, who he is, by saying this, I am the Lord your God. I am, in other words, I am Yahweh. I am Jehovah. And this was the proper name by which God wanted his people, Israel, to know him. I love the fact that God wants to be known. Isn't that wonderful? He's not high and aloof somewhere. He's, he's a God who's personal. He wants to be known. So i go in other words. This is the first point. He is the one and only true living God of self-existence and of self-revelation. He's the one and only true living God of self-existence and self-revelation. And again, just think about that for a minute. Who is like our God? Who is like him? I know it's early in the sermon, but you want to continue just to worship this God this morning who is like our God sometimes we sing that song there is none like you there is none like you no one else can touch my heart like you do no one else can change my life like you do the prophet Micah lots of scripture this morning you'll probably get scriptural indigestion but I hope it'll be a feast more than that Micah 7 verse 18 who is a God like you Who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but to light to show mercy. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Hey, underline that one. Make that a favorite. I think the hymn, that old hymn came out of that that particular scripture. Who is a pardoning God like thee? Amen. And can I ask you this morning then? do you know this God? Do you? Do you really know him? Can you say with absolute assurance this morning that he has pardoned your sin? Lord, thank you. You've pardoned my sin. You've forgiven me of my transgressions. Thank you, Jesus. Can you say that this morning as you're sitting here And as we celebrate, as we worship God who pardons our sin, who who, who forgives our transgressions, who doesn't stay angry forever with us, even though we deserve to be angry, angry God after us. And as we think about that, yes, I've been pardoned. I've been forgiven. Can I ask this then, church? Can we not pardon and forgive others of their sins and transgressions against us? forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin or trespass against us we have a pardoning God can we not pardon others the Lord Jesus Christ who is God's complete revelation of himself he's God's exact representation of himself Hebrews 1 verse 3 Jesus said these words, Revelation 22:13. 13. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Powerful words coming from Jesus. He said, I am. And again, remember, not that long ago, some weeks ago, I guess, how God chose to reveal himself to Moses in the same way when he was in the desert and he he saw the burning bush and he went over to that bush and he heard God's voice speak to him out of the bush and God revealed to Moses who he was, who he is and what God wanted Moses to do to set his people free. And so God says these words, Exodus 3 verse 14, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Bible scholar Arthur Pink, he says these words of this particular verse. He says, there is a depth here which no finite mind can fathom. Isn't that so true? I am who I am, announced that the great God is self-existent beside whom there is none else Without beginning, without ending, from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. None but he can say, I am who I am. Always the same, eternally changeless. What a mighty God we have. And again, Jesus used the same expression to reveal his deity, to a bunch of doubting religious Jews who opposed him and, and when they questioned him as to whether Jesus thought that he was greater than Abraham Jesus says these words John eight fifty eight. I tell you the truth Jesus answered before Abraham was born I am powerful powerful God You see, he's the one and only true living God of self-existence and of self-revelation. I'm so glad he chose to reveal himself to us. He didn't have to, but he chose to. Isn't that beautiful? Do you know him this morning? This God who chose to reveal himself to you in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ secondly we read in exodus 20 verses 1 and 2 and god spoke all these words i am the lord your god who brought you out of egypt out of the land of slavery you see god is the one and only true living god of salvation and redemption the only true living God of salvation and redemption. God was their redeemer. He said, I brought you out of the land of slavery. God was their redeemer. They were his people. Did he therefore not have the right to govern their lives? Does he not have the right to govern your life and mine? If you're here this morning, you belong to him. He has the right. To govern your life and to lead you in his way and it's a good way Moses reinforced this truth to the Israelites by reminding them before they crossed the Jordan to take possession of the promised land he says this in Deuteronomy 4 verse 34 has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation by testings, by miraculous signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds, like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? Has any God ever tried to do that? Has any God ever had the, the power to do that? Who brought you out of slavery, Where you still would have been had he not come and rescued you and redeemed you. I love what J.I. Packer says. He says, the God who redeemed Jews from Egypt, Egyptian slavery has redeemed Christians from the bondage to sin and Satan at the cost of Calvary. At the cost of Calvary. You see, our God is the one and only true living God of salvation and redemption. He alone has the power to bring us out of our own land of slavery. Only he can do that. God's people were never meant to be enslaved by anything or anyone. That includes the kind of enslavement that happens to us internally, things that enslave you and me emotionally and spiritually. When God said to his people through Moses, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of slavery. I believe that promise also has very clear and a very powerful spiritual implications as well for us. Remember the words again of the Lord Jesus, John 8, 36. So if the son sets you free, You will be free indeed. Hey, can I just say that if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus and you think you're free, you're not. You're not free. You'll never be free until the Son of God sets you free. Then you'll know what true freedom is. Can you all say amen to that? Those of you who have been redeemed, those who have been set free, are you free now like you never were before? Correct? Amen. Hear that? This is true. This is not theory. This stuff works powerfully in a human life as you open yourself to Him. Let me testify. I can remember once, before I gave my life to Christ, reading a letter that my dear mum had given to me. This was a letter that a prisoner had written. My dad was a superintendent of the Cadell Training Centre in South Australia and this prisoner had written a letter and given it to my dad and he gave it to me, well mum gave it to me. I was home from leave, I was in the army, not in a good place. God was dealing with me but I was not in a good place in the army, I didn't know the Lord. I thought I was free, no, I was bondaged, in bondage. Anyway, my mother handed me this letter and Now, as I said, I didn't know the Lord back then. But this bloke did. (laughs) This guy knew Jesus. He had come to know Jesus. It was obvious. And I was reading his testament, and this guy was just writing all this glowing stuff, how much he loved the Lord, and how he was set free, and all this sort of stuff was going on, how wonderful Jesus was, and, and, and stuff going on. And I'm reading this, and I started to mumble I started to ridicule this guy. I was mumbling under my breath. This bloke is a fruitcake. No wonder he's in jail. He's a nutcase, and I'm ridiculing him. And and I tell you, I can still remember the look that my mother gave me. This beautiful little woman and dad, who both knew the Lord back then, and I didn't. They were praying. They were laying hold of God for me. And I can still remember my mother looking at me and she just said oh David they oh, nearly have tears coming out of my eyes hearing, hearing her say that I broke her heart I was breaking her heart I, I was lost and it hurt her but more than that it was hurting the Lord but she just said that I can still hear those words "Old oh David she said so I guess back then guess, guess back then who really was the prisoner and who really was set free Though he was in jail, he was as free as he could ever be. I was the one that was the prisoner because of my unrepented hard heart. Mum and dad, if you're here this morning, mums and dads, don't give up praying for your kids. Look what Jesus can do. Don't give up praying for your grandkids. Lay hold of God for them. You keep praying. It's not by accident that that God's put those kids in your family where you can pray for them. You keep praying for your kids and you keep asking, Lord Jesus, shine through me. Be seen in me. Be seen through me. Do that. I want to ask you this morning, what might be keeping you a prisoner today? Because you see, there's a God of salvation and redemption who wants to bring you out of your land of slavery and sin and bondage and set you free. And when he does, as you've heard people testify here this morning, you will be free indeed. Not through Moses, but through his Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one and only true living God, he paid the price. He's the only one who did for our release, our redemption, being his shed blood on the cross. That's the cost of Calvary. And this is what Jesus meant when he went into the synagogue in Nazareth that day. And he read from the scroll these words from Isaiah that were quoted in Luke chapter 4, 18 to 20. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, he sat down, and the eyes of everybody in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You see, he's the one and only true living God of salvation and redemption. Available and willing for all who put their trust in his unfailing word and put their trust in his unfailing love he's here for you today he's here for me, he's for, here for all of us he's the one and only true living God of salvation and redemption, none like him and again I've got to ask you I'm going to pest you this morning, if you're here this morning this is, applies to you, have you I've got to ask you Where are you today with this? Where do you need to be? And I want to ask you, that if you're here this morning and you know God's touch in your heart, then you need to talk to someone before you leave. The pastor's here, someone else. Talk to us before you leave. This is so important. Thirdly, when God gave the Ten Commandments to his people... He said, in Exodus 20, verses 1 to 3, and God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. (laughs) Verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. If you've got a little book, a Bible like mine, the margin, you might see where it says this, you shall have no other gods besides me. So again, thirdly, in other words, he is the one and only true living God who demands absolute and exclusive supremacy in our hearts and in our lives. Absolute, absolute demands exclusive supremacy in our hearts and lives. You see, we also have a God who is opposed to what we call polytheism. You know what that is? It's the, the Greek word means many gods. No, God's not... That doesn't work with God. He's not going to share you with any other gods or idols, as we talked about last week. He's the one and only true living God and he will not, he will not share his glory with another. Isaiah 42.8 God also knew the temptations that his people had been confronted with. He knew in their 400 years of captivity in Egypt that they had been exposed to numerous strange, weird gods, much of which involved sensual rituals and immoral behaviour. God knew all that. And likewise, God knew his people would face in the future similar temptations as from, from neighbouring nations with all their strange gods. Because as one writer, J.E. Smith, wrote, he said this, the assumption is that firstly, it is possible to worship surrogates or substitutes for God. It is possible. Secondly, he says, such worship is at times attractive. Sin is so attractive, isn't it? And then thirdly, mankind has a tendency in this direction. We do. We have a bias towards wanting to please ourselves. We have a bias to want to, you know, God created us in his image, but we want to create God in our image, don't we? We want God to tick our boxes. We want a God that we can control. And we want a God who we don't feel guilty before. We want a God that we don't have to give account to. It's so comfortable to have a God like that in your life. But if you want to get real, the real God is not like that. Man has a tendency to in this direction, so true. History's proven that. Have a listen to this, This, just, just as an example. In 1993, the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland was faced with a resolution calling on the churches... To reaffirm that Christ is the only way of salvation. Can you imagine if the Baptists did that? Where do you reckon it might go? Where do you reckon it went for the churches of Scotland? Listen to this. That resolution was defeated by 400 votes to 300. Can you believe that? What happened? So, I don't know how you see it, but as I see it in the minds of this majority, they were really saying, well, there are other gods. There are other ways of salvation. Can't be arrogant Christian and think there's only one way of salvation. They're saying, well, there must be other ways. There are other ways, they're saying, to be right with God apart from Christ. Christ. Another word we use to describe all this stuff is pluralism. And I want to unpack that a little bit more in a minute. Pluralism. But listen, can you see what happens when people disregard God's word? When they ignore his commandments, arrogantly, foolishly thinking that they know better than God. And we have people in our parliaments who go on that same track. Don't let me get started on that garbage. That we wear because they turn their back on the living Word of God, on the on the written Word of God. They think they know better than God. They think they know better than the Apostle Paul, 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 who under the who under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God wrote to Timothy saying these words for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind the man Christ Jesus how many gods is there by the way there's one God correct so how did these people of Scotland get it so wrong the church of Scotland where were they with this scripture it's here in black and white you don't have to be a Greek scholar to work out what God's saying here there's one God, one mediator between God and mankind. His name is Jesus Christ. There's no other way. I mean, what do you do with other scriptures? What do they do with these scriptures from, uh, from Acts chapter 4, verse 12, for example, where it says this, Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. write that down write these verses down or underline them know where you find them acts chapter 4 verse 12 i think that one is on the screen too somewhere have you got that so where are people when they ignore these scriptures what about this one from isaiah 43 verses 10 11 the prophet Isaiah says before me, God's saying this through him, before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. Verse 11, Isaiah 43, I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no saviour. So how can people, well, maybe I'll just move on from that. How can somebody turn around and say, oh, look, you got your God, I got mine. We're both going to the same place no sorry that doesn't work your God is not my God because your God does not acknowledge you don't acknowledge Jesus Christ the one and only mediator between God and man you see pluralism says that there is more than just one God there there are other gods there are other belief systems and we should all this is where it goes This is how modern it is, um, you know, up to date. We should all all accept others, each other's gods and and belief systems, you know. We should even become united together, all religions united. And and have these multi-faith acts of worship together. We should do all that. This is what the world says to us. And this kind of thinking is very popular today. And it's supposed to be good for community. How many times have you knocked on a door and someone's come to the door and you've talked to them and they said, you know, aren't religions all the same? Why are you fighting amongst each other? Shouldn't you all just be the same? Aren't you all the same? Aren't you all worshipping the same God but with a different name? No. Sorry, that's not correct. This is supposed to be good for community relations. It's, It's even politically correct just get together churches faith communities get together aren't you worshiping the same God you know some years ago when I was out at Jimboomba pastoring out there and I don't mean to bag the Logan City Council because I don't believe that was their intention but Logan City Council tried to get all the churches they tried to get all the faith communities out there to work together to deal with the youth crime that was going on out there, to deal with um, the interracial fighting that was going on out there. And the council was trying to, they were thinking, now if we just get all these races together, all these religious cultures, and and put them all together and work together, surely we can come up with something. Now look, the idea behind it it was probably okay. But it wasn't okay. When some of these groups then said, I'm not sure if the council was involved, but some of the groups said, why don't we just have a one big worship service together? You know, Muslims and Jehovah Witnesses and and Mormons. and Why don't we just have a big worship service together? That was what one of the suggestions was. You see, it was politically correct, but the problem was it's so incorrect. It's so incorrect. To think that we can all worship together from different faiths and beliefs it's a lie sorry it's a lie and it's inspired by the father of lies Satan himself listen to what Jesus says you need to write this down too when you talk to people like this don't get heated like me it won't work But you need to talk to people gently, lovingly, but show them God's word. Listen to what Jesus said. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way. Say it with me, folks. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ alone. The fact is this, you cannot know God, you cannot love God, you cannot worship God, you cannot be right with God or be known by God apart from the Son of God. You need to hear that, you need to know that. I'll say it again later. And in response to the Pharisees' question Jesus sums this up, Don read it to us. Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40. Jesus, when he was asked, he says, when he was asked, "'Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law?' Jesus replied, "'Love the Lord your God with all your mind.'" This is the first and greatest commandment. Sorry, let me read that again. "'Love the Lord your God with all your heart.'" And with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, you'll notice that these words that I just read are not found in Exodus 20, they're not found in the Ten Commandments there. But listen, you will find them in Deuteronomy. Just after Moses has proclaimed the Ten Commandments a second time as a reminder, if you like, to the Israelites, Jesus says in Matthew 22, and he quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, just after Moses has announced again the Ten Commandments. And then as one writer, Brian Edwards, in his commentary suggests... And I think it makes perfect sense. These two verses, right? So verses 37 and 38 in Matthew 22 was the Lord's commentary on the first commandment. It was his commentary. In effect, Jesus was saying, I'll tell you what this means. You must love God first above all. Above, sorry, you must love God first above all This is what he says was the commentary that Jesus was giving about the first commandment. Anything less is a breach of this first and greatest commandment. Have you got that? So this is what Jesus was saying. What is the first commandment about? Love God with with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Anything less is a breach of the greatest commandment, of this first and greatest commandment. Now we need to get this also, need to make sure you got this. You see, it's not enough, because people will say this to you, it's not enough simply to believe that there is only one God. How many times have you had people say, yeah, I believe in God, yeah? Well, then you might need to gently say, but did you know that so does Satan and his demons? They believe that there's only one God as well. They know, oh, they know. They know there's only one God. But they shudder with absolute terror at that thought. Have a look at James 2.19. Yeah, they believe and they shudder. So again, my dear, freshest friends here this morning, so many of you, as you already have, so many of you could testify that when you truly know God, when you know God, you love God. This is not a difficult, this is not an onerous thing we do. We do love the Lord. When you know him, you love God. And and you delight to do his word. You delight in his will. His spirit makes sure that happens in you. Though imperfect and and, and as we mostly are in, in making this happen, we do bumble, we do stumble. But our heart says, Lord, I do love you. I do worship you. You are my one and only true God. We don't always get it right. Of course we don't. We're human. We break this commandment. But we do love God with all our heart, mind, soul. And that also means then that we, we, we trust him and we obey him. We obey his words. We obey. We love and obey. Trust him. Therefore, we could say this of Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 and 3. To love the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what it's saying. Really, it's to love the Lord Jesus Christ with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. Every other belief system apart from Christ disobeys this first commandment. Do you get that? Because as I said before, and I'll say it to you again, you cannot know God. You cannot love God, worship God, be right with God, or even be known by God apart from the Son of God. Because he is the one and only mediator between you and God. He is the only way. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Do you get that? So important we do. There are no other gods. And so my question is, I bring this to a close now. How does all this sit with you today personally? Because that's where the rubber hits the road. It's not about what others believe. It's what what is what 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 do you say? Who do you say that Jesus is? How does it sit with you today? Is Christ your first love, your one and only true God, or are there, or are there, other gods in your life? And we haven't talked about that. Just let me just mention a few of these. What do I mean by other gods? Well. This is not uh, an, an extensive list, I suppose, an all-exclusive list, but inclusive list. But, but these things can easily include things like ambition. You tell me if you've never broken this first commandment, who's, Who has never been ambitious before? Who's never had interests that kind of God's here, but my interests are sort of here somewhere? Who's ever had that? What about loves and lusts? Pride, selfishness, greed? These kinds of things will very comfortably, very easily, though they lack in substance, but they will very comfortably, very easily find their way in and occupy that place in your life where Christ alone deserves to be on the throne of your heart. These other gods will occupy that place if you're not on guard in your life. And you expose yourself to God's word, and you say, as the psalmist says, "Lord, search me, know my heart, try my anxious thoughts, see if there be any wicked or hurtful way in me, and lead me in Your way, the way of everlasting." Psalm one hundred thirty-nine, last verse. These things very, very easily will occupy that place as little gods in your heart if you're not on guard. I'd like to finish by quoting, again, a bike called Brian Edwards. And he says this. We must test our obedience to the first commandment by our love for Christ. How much are we devoted to him? These are the questions I want you to ask yourself this morning as we close. How much are you devoted to Jesus? Really. This is why the law is such a good thing for us. It's part of the gospel because it forces us to Calvary. I need his forgiveness for breaking this first commandment. Because I know that it stands supremely above all the other commandments. There is only one God. And I must worship him alone. And how do we worship God alone? Only through Jesus Christ. Is he yours today let's pray father we thank you for your words we thank you for your love thank you for revealing yourself to us you are the self-existent god yes what does that mean we cannot fathom that but we thank you that you've opened your hand and revealed yourself to us and father help us to be people this morning who reveal ourselves to you completely openly And allow you into that place. Let there be no shut doors, Lord, in our lives and our hearts, we pray. Help us to stand naked before God, because we really do anyway. There's nothing hidden from you. But help us, we pray, to have willing hearts that you would invite yourself, and we invite you to meet us, to see us, to meet with us. Help us, Lord, we pray, to get rid of every other God every other thing that may be where you alone need to be. You need to be our first love because you are the one and only true living God and we worship you through our Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Touch us, lead us on, Lord. We want to be more like him in our lives and to you we give all the glory, honour and praise in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Amen, amen.